Church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. What's up, everybody? I said, what's up, everybody? TC in the house. TC in the house. My name is Tommy. If we haven't met, uh, I get the honor to lead some of our serve teams and we go out and do a bunch of stuff in the community, and uh, we're thankful that you're we're thankful that you're here. Uh, Want to show you a, a few pictures just to intro myself. Uh, this first picture is um, see what you don't see is the tight roll jeans back in the day and the tennis shoes. This is how old? How old are you? And where'd she go? Um, my wife left. Uh, I think this is her 19th birthday. And so uh, you wonder why I I wear camouflage all the time is because, uh, how old are you in this picture? 18, 19. Check out those bangs, man. Those bangs, you could touch heaven with that right there. That's awesome. Let me go to the next one. This is, this is my family, and this is us. Um, that's my son on the left, who is my hero in life. He was everything that I wish I would have been, and you're going to hear a little bit about it here in, in a moment. Um, but he gets to travel the world filming and editing and producing hunting films, and so if you see him on the Discovery Channel, uh, hunting networks, all of those. He has about, outdoor network, he has about six shows that, that he does. And my daughter is working for ESPN this summer. And so she is producing uh, sports centers. Uh, and she, she was there for two days and they let her take over. And so uh, I don't know what she's doing in Connecticut, but you go, baby girl. You absolutely go. I'll show you the next picture. This is uh, it's a good one. Uh, it's just a big fish. I just wanted to show you a fish. Uh, that's all there is to it. It's just a fish. Um, Steve, that's that's a good one. Uh, that's 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 a that's a good one. And then the last one, I want to brag on my daughter-in-law for a moment. Let me let me uh, teach you something here, very quickly. If you have kids and they're young, start praying for their spouse right now. That's what Stacy taught me. And so we prayed for this girl, and her name is Ansley. Uh, If you recognize her, she hosts the uh, Good Morning Arkansas show on Channel 7 in the mornings. And so she is a breath of fresh air, man. So so that's my family. Go back to that fish just for a second. Can we see the fish? That's just a big fish, man. Do you know how big that is? Yeah, that's good. All right, we're going to get into this. Uh, we're going to read Luke 15, 11 through 24. And I, I want you to, to look through the eyes, the lens. The Father represents God, okay? The Father in the story represents God, and the Son represents us. And we're going to unpack it here in a moment. Go ahead, Asia. Thank you. Continue. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my spare share or my share of the estate. 
So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to, be, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father said to him, saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven, or heaven and against you, I'm sorry. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Asia. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to hear your word. We ask that you change us because of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You know, I was a pastor for almost 20 years and I've, I've heard this, uh, preached this several times, but I, I, never, I never preached it through the eyes of what the son did right. Everyone usually preaches it of what the son did wrong. And it's very easy to, to do that. But what we're going to do is, is teach it uh, what, what did the son do right. Uh, I want you to know there's going to be a lot of stories in this. Uh, Pastor Bronson calls me a storyteller. And so uh, I like to, to tell stories. But I want to preface this with one thing. You don't have to have these stories in order to be a Christian. You cannot have these negative stories and be the, the, the best version of yourself as a Christian by not having to go through some of this stuff. Let me say that again. I'm not proud of this. I'm a knucklehead. I had to learn the hard way. And I know you look at a handsome guy standing up here and think to yourself, man, that guy is, is something else. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up a little bit. And I'm going to share with you some of the stuff that I'm going to share. I've, I didn't even share with the churches that I pastored over the years. And so I was, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. We went to church when it was, when it was convenient. Um, I remember going some Sundays, some Sunday nights, some Wednesday nights, but never, never really consistent. And so at the age of nine, I actually heard God's audible voice call me three times to go into the ministry and to be a pastor. I heard it. And the thing is, I didn't cultivate that calling. I didn't embrace that calling. What I did is I began to run. Ah, this is hard. At 15, I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. 
My parents didn't have a clue. They had five kids. They were trying to keep up with the, the other kids, and I was sneaking around and doing some things that I shouldn't do. I grew up off of Henson Road. I went to Catholic high school. And I did a lot of, a lot of bad things, horrible decisions, but the, the worst decision that I ever made was when I ran from God. The humidity was really hot on this night back in 1986, which makes me seem very old. I was living in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I was playing college baseball, and the, the only college in town, we were known for our reckless behavior. And so we had, I guess, a reputation to uphold, and so we, we said, well, let's see what we can get into and try to see what fun we can have. And uh, someone made a, a comment, well, let's, let's go to the liquor store. And you know what, let me tell you this. I don't know where you stand on this, and I'm not going to make some big announcement or anything. But I look back on my life. Almost every single one of my failures had to do with drugs and alcohol. Excessively using things that I shouldn't have even picked up in the first time. We passed this church, and I thought to myself, every time I saw this church, that there it is. That church, I don't know if it was the color of the church, if it was the shape of the church, if it was the way that it was, was built. But every time I passed it, it was like God saying, don't you remember? Don't you, don't you remember that I called you, Tommy? I hurried into the, the liquor store as the light in the church sign lit up. I thought I could actually outrun God and he couldn't see me inside the store. Why'd we have to stop at, at this particular store? I had no earthly idea. With enough liquid courage in us to float our armada, someone came up with a bright idea to cruise Grand Street. I don't know if you're from Fort Smith or Fort Smith area or not, but Grand is the street. I guess it would be our Geyer Springs. Who used to cruise Geyer Springs back in the day? Anyone here? Cruise Geyer, all right, we have a few that cruise Geyer. Yeah, I see you. So that's what we, that's what we planned on doing. See, Grand was this, this place where no parents, no coaches, no authority. We could do what we wanted to do. No rules, just a lot of high-risk behaviors playing out. Billy was the guy that everyone wanted to to be like. He played center field, man, and he could, he could run like the wind. I want you to see him, so think about Poncharelli on chips. <laughs> Ricky Martin, or the, one of the Jonas Brothers. This dude had shiny teeth, man. I mean, you could see him smiling all the way. I, I was a catcher, and so I could see him smiling all the way in center field, man, his white teeth. I mean, he was, but Billy had a flaw. Billy loved to fight. If you look real close at my forehead, it has a big scar on it from where Billy opened a can of beer on my forehead. That's the kind of guy Billy was. And so he got us into a fight. And so I, I wanted to ride into the alley. We were being called out. I wanted to ride into the alley to see uh, how many were back there and what was going on. So I got in a car and I told the girl this. I said, don't stop. Just drive back there, but, but, don't, but don't stop. 
keep driving. I just want to see how many are back there. So I got in the back seat. She drives to the alley, entered into the darkness, and she stops because she recognizes someone. And she said, hey, what's, what's going on? And he began to curse and saying that they were going to kill these guys and all this. And he looked in the back seat and he saw me. He took a snub-nosed 38, put it right to my head. I screamed, go. She hit the accelerator. The gun bounced off of the car and hit the ground, and we went around. When we got around at the end, Dane, I saw all my, 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 my buddies running into the alley. All my friends running into an alley, and I knew what was back there. Moments like this, all of time stands still. I didn't want to go, but I, I couldn't leave my friends, and so I entered the darkness of the alley. I was running, running from a God who, who loved me. You know, Jesus used stories to teach, like we, we just heard a story. In Luke chapter 15, 11 through 24 is what we read. It's referred to as the prodigal son, but it's about a runner. And again, the, in this story, the father represents who? God. And the son represents us. And so it's a depiction of what happens when someone runs from God. So the Bible says this. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me. Everyone say, give me. Give. This rascal right here. If you know the culture of the day, this is bad, bad, bad. Give me my share of the estate. When the dad died, his money would be divided, kind of like it is in, in our culture. But during this culture, when you ask that question and give me my money, you put that demand on it, you were telling your father you didn't care if he was alive or he's dead. We don't know why, but the father did it. I don't think I would have done it. I would have said, no, you're going to have to wait. But again, the father represents God. So he didn't force anything on him. He said, all right, if that's what you want, then I'm going to give it to you. Then it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. See, when we run from God, we make bad mistakes. Make horrible mistakes. Who in their right mind would run into a dark alley knowing what and who was back there waiting on me? Alcohol, once again. Using, drinking, makes you do things that you really wouldn't do. And I often ask myself, how, how does it come to a, a Catholic high student born and raised in a preppy neighborhood who had everything that he ever wanted, how could it come to this? I was never really fast. In fact, I was kind of slow. But I began to run towards the alley. And what I did is I took a big hunting knife, one of those big Rambo knives, and I stuck it in between my back and, and my jeans. I ran into the alley, and the first thing that I saw was a guy holding a crowbar. Billy didn't see him, and so I tried to, to warn Billy, scream at Billy, Billy, and then the guy hit Billy in the back of the head with the crowbar. 
I watched Billy stand back up, take a baseball bat that he had in his hand, and he swung, and he caved in Dwayne, the guy's head, forehead. The guy dropped to the ground, lifeless body. The sound of a, a shotgun being loaded is something that you don't really ever, ever forget. That's what I heard. So I turned around to the noise, and there was a guy holding a shotgun to my head. How does this happen? Running from God. Being a knucklehead. I took the knife out, and I put it up to the guy's throat, and I said, give me the gun. He handed me the gun, and about that time he handed me the gun, I had a gun and a knife in my hand. I looked over to the right, and I could see the police cars coming. They were coming over the railroad tracks, and their, their headlights were going up and down as they went over the railroad tracks. I began to run. I stepped over the lifeless body of Billy's victim. All my senses were shoved into overdrive. And as the cars moved slowly down Grand, I spotted a black Chevy truck. He was driving. He had the, the back window was slid open. He had his arm around his girlfriend. And I dove into the back of the truck. When I dove into the back of the truck, I immediately hit my head up against his cab of the vehicle. He immediately slammed on the brakes, which I wish he wouldn't have done that. Slammed the sliding back glass, and I looked at him, and I said, please drive. I'm being chased. Please drive. So he started to accelerate. And the, the humidity had died down a little bit, and the coolness of the night, the sweat was acting as a coolant as he began to speed up a little bit, you know? And then I looked to my left, and there it was, that sign, that church. Why in the world? Every time I go by there, God is asking me, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember? See, when we run from God, we do things we never thought we would do. It's not our plan. We don't plan to make stupid decisions. Unfortunately, I have failed more than I have succeeded. I want to tell you, July the 27th, 1977 is a day that is written in history where I was a Ronald McDonald All-Star. I was 10 years old. I was an All-Star, and we were going to play the Arkansas Travelers. It was a big day for me. And so Ronald took the mound, and he had his big feet on and all that stuff. Uh, Grimace, the, the original Barney, was out there, the OG, the OG. Uh, I mean, you remember the Hamburglar back in the day with the stripes on? He was, he, he was there. And so it came down to the last inning. See, I have failed so many times in my life, but that doesn't mean that I'm a failure. I'm preaching to you. So I'm playing center field, and uh, we're winning by, by one run. Ronald McDonald is bringing the heat, man. I mean, he's, he's throwing it. The Hamburglar's making plays. Everybody's making plays. And then here it comes, my time to make a play. It's two outs. Runners on second and third. The ball is hit to me. I'm in center field. 
and it was like slow motion. I'm running up to get this ball, and I'm thinking to myself, Pastor, I'm going to be a hero. I, I, I see Ronald McDonald lifting me up on his shoulders, carrying me off the field. I see all that. The bad thing is I missed the ball. I promise you, when I missed the ball, Ronald McDonald, with his big feet, started kicking the dust. Pow, pow. Threw his glove on the ground. The Hamburglar ran out to center field and was asking me what happened. Grimace. I can't even begin to tell you what Grimace was saying to me. But I have failed. But listen to me. Just because I have failed, it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. Because we're, we're too quick to judge isolated events and label us and label others as failures. I just, I just missed the ball. Maybe you lost a, a job recently. You view yourself as a favor. Failure. No, the job didn't work out. You beat the addiction, but then gave in in a moment of weakness. You're not a failure. You just, you just gave in. The relationship ended. You're viewing yourself as a failure. No, the relationship broke down. But I want you to know I'm not here to sugarcoat failure, but I am trying to show you that not only do we all fail, but in those failures, we can learn and change things in our life. Write this down. Failing doesn't make me a failure unless the failure doesn't move me to change. Failure isn't fatal, but failing to change sure might be. This son failed at being a, a good, respectable son, but would it be a failure? He failed to follow God's law, but would he be a failure? He failed at even following the Jewish law, but would he be a failure? The Bible says this, but when he came to his senses... So the first thing that the son did right, he recognized rock bottom. He recognized rock bottom. I remember the day that my dad hit rock bottom. See, he had a horrible temper when I was growing up. That man could hit you with a shoe in two rooms over. I don't know how he could throw a curveball with the shoe, but he could get you in the other room with the shoe if you were messing up. But he had a, a horrible, horrible temper. And so this day I was, I was catching, and my dad was, was back here at the backstop. Back when America was great, the chain link backstop went all the way up. You remember when they went all the way up, all the way up, the chain link fence? And so I, I could hear my dad yelling, and I could hear him shaking the chain of the fence because the umpire made a bad call, but I couldn't see him. And he began to get louder and louder and louder. And I promise you, I saw my dad hit rock bottom. The problem was my dad didn't see that he hit rock bottom. My dad had climbed up all the way up on the backstop and was all the way in the air. And I looked up at him, and he was looking down at the, this umpire, saying a few choice words to him. And I was like, Dad, you've hit rock bottom. You don't know this, but that, that right there is rock bottom. The British writer J.K. Rowling said this, rock bottom became the solid foundation in which I rebuilt my life. That's so good. You might, you might be here today and you're at rock bottom. Recognize that that could be the foundation on which you rebuild your life. 
The Bible says, I have sinned against heaven and you. I'm hurrying. What did he do right? He took responsibility of his failure. He owned it. Someone once said, the man who can smile when things go wrong has thought of someone else he can blame it on. Own it. July 27, 1977, I own it. I let Ronald McDonald down. Who does that? <laughs> the Bible says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What did he do right? He changed his attitude. Now look at the juxtaposition of this. At the very beginning, he said, give me my inheritance. And now what does he say? Make me like one of your servants. What makes humility so desirable is the awesome thing that it does for us. It opens the door for us to experience intimacy with God at its greatest height. Matthew 23, 12 says, Forever, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The son could have responded with more self-destructive behaviors, but he humbled himself. Failing doesn't make me a failure unless the failure doesn't move me to change. So the Bible says, so he got up and went to his father. What did he do right? He got up. One of the churches that we pastored was in central Florida between Tampa and Orlando. We pastored down there for quite a few years, and Stacy loved it because she loved Disney and the beach. I didn't because you couldn't, you couldn't shoot anything uh, down there and hunt. and You could fish. Can we show that picture of that fish again? No? Okay. I was just trying. I was coaching my son in football. And Matt was probably 15 or 16. And uh, I was in charge of the wide receivers because I look like a wide receiver, don't I? <laughs> anyway, and so I'm coaching the wide receivers, and my son was a wide receiver. And so I sent him out there on, on, a, on a play. What, what, did the, what did the son do, right? He got up. Some of you need to get back up. Just get back up. You failed? Okay. Let's get back up. So I sent him in on this play. He was going to run a, a crossing pattern over the middle. So the quarterback got ready. He snapped the ball. I saw Matt take his steps, plant foot. He's running across the middle. And see, you have, to, you have to understand, some of these guys that played on this 7A school, which is the highest classification in Florida, some of these guys went to Miami and Florida State. And so I saw it coming, but I couldn't do anything about it. My son got hit so hard that it hurt me. He stood up, and he looked at me. He's facing this way, but his helmet is facing that way. Say so. I want you to see this. He he's facing he's facing this way, and he's kind of stumbling around a little bit. But his helmet is facing. In, in a football helmet, you have ear holes, right? His nose was sticking out his his ear hole, so I had to run out there, and I had to fix his helmet and get him. But you know what he did? He got up. He didn't stay down. Some of you need to get back up. He meets his dad on the road and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. His dad interrupts his son in the middle of his speech 
not only did his son change his attitude, but he changed his character. His character before was a demonstrative, demanding, ungrateful son, but now he's broken, soft-spoken, no longer usurping his father's authority. So what did the son do right? He asked for forgiveness. I flunked out of college. No more baseball scholarship. No more baseball career. I moved back to, to Little Rock to live with my, my family. Got a call from the San Diego Padres. I had started working at UPS and Padres deal just didn't work out. And so I just said, you know what? Baseball is over with and it's, it's finished. I, I met a girl in college that changed my life. I met her at UALR. We had a son, but for years I was, I was running. And I, I want to tell you publicly, I, I've never said this, but I'm sorry I did you like that, man. Stacy always was in church. She always took Matt. She didn't miss. She would lead and worship in church. And then she would come home to a drunk husband. For the first 10 years of our relationship, I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian. For some of you ladies that are praying for your husband, let, let, me, let me just share this very quickly and I'm going to get out of your way. Stacy was praying, God save Tommy so my life will be better. And she said, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, change the way that you're, you're praying. Why don't you pray for Tommy to get saved so his life would be better? Not long after that, I became a Christian. March the 22nd, 1998. I was, thank you so much, Glennis. I was uh, 29, 30 years old. I was 29 when I became a Christian. Not long after that, I surrendered to the call of ministry. I quit my job of 12 years at UPS. Stacy quit her job as a CPA and we entered into the ministry and we pastored churches all over, all over the place. But I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you this. I had to ask for forgiveness. And for someone here today, you need to ask for forgiveness. But I wanna, I wanna tell you this and share this with you. Here in a moment, Pastor Bronson is going to come up and he's going, to, he's going to talk to you about some things. And we want to encourage you to go back for prayer. If that's you and you need to make a decision to follow Christ, to make Him the Lord and Savior of your life, we want to pray with you. See, we've struggled with, we have people that raise their hands and then they leave and we never connect with them. And so this is our desire to connect with you, to make sure that we're able to, to pray for you. What did the son do right? He recognized rock bottom. He took responsibility of his failure. He changed his attitude. He got up and he asked for forgiveness. If that clock is red, does that mean I'm supposed to be quiet? I want to teach you something real quick. Three minutes and I'm going to get out of your way. For some of you, you have someone in your life that has made some not so good decisions. 
they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I, I, I want to teach you. The father in our story represents who? So what did the dad do right? The Bible says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. So the dad saw the good instead of the bad. He was still a ways off and his father had love and compassion. See, the only way to do that, watch this, watch this, I'm gonna get out of your way. The only way to do that is to separate the person from the act. See, this is the act right here. This is what, this is what your, your righteous anger can be vented towards. Not the person, but the act. And when we separate the person from the act, then when we see them, we can see love and we can see compassion. Amen? He said he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. He gave love instead of making his son chase love. He didn't wait to see what lessons that he learned. He didn't wait to see how much money he had in his pocket. He gave love instead of making his child chase love. And I'm going to read this to you. This is life-changing. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put it... And he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, look at this. This is hard for some of us. The dad didn't even bring up the son's failure. He interrupted him and said, let's have a party. Let us be like the father in this story when it comes to dealing with our kids, our friends, and failure. Father, we love you and we understand that just because I fail, it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. And we understand that failing to change, it sure, it sure might be. And so we ask that you help us in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connected in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.